I'm Megan. I'm Colin. And this is Pet Sitter Sitter Confessional. Confessional. An open and honest discussion about life as a pet sitter. Brought to you by Time to Pet. Faced with a recent job loss, Tammy Guy had a decision to make. To go into business for herself, doing something that she loved, or go back into a job that she knew that she could do. She chose the former. And to this day, four and a half years later, runs Creatures Pet Care of Kalamazoo, Michigan. And today, she joins us to share that journey of what that four and a half years has looked like, how her background in biology and working at zoos has impacted how she reads and understands animal behavior and what she has in store moving forward. Let's get started. Well, thank you so much, Colin. I really appreciate the opportunity to come on. Love your podcast. Listen to it. It's so helpful what you're doing to, to help out the industry and, and help connect us and give us great info. So thank you. Um, As you said, my name's Tammy Guy. I uh, own Creatures Pet Care of Kalamazoo. We're in Southwest Michigan. Uh, I've been in business for about four and a half years and we do drop-in pet sitting, dog walking, and training. Um, And I have three fantastic pet care specialists on the team. So that's just been the best. They're invaluable. I'm so grateful. Well, so you're four and a half years into this. What happened four and a half years ago that started you on this journey? Yeah. Um, I've done so many different things uh, in my life. I have a broad range of experience. I used to work at a marketing firm. I used to be a farmer rep. Um, Then I taught college for many, many years, taught college biology. And then I worked in a cell biology lab. And I really liked like that job, but we got acquired and then they shut down our location. So I was like, okay, (laughs) a year after I started that job, I'm like, okay, what do I do now? And I thought it really was time to, you know, really do what I want. I didn't want to work for somebody else. I wanted to work for myself. I'm a, I'm a hard worker and I really like projects. So I thought this is a good fit with my background. Um, it's time to give that a try. And so I was solo for about two and a half years and I should have been solo for much less time than that. It was, it was pretty crazy doing solo. I know you guys just hired recently. Yeah. I heard your podcast on that. Um, oh, it makes such a difference. It's so great to have good team members to take some of the pressure off you know, when you're solo and have backup, you know, I was wondered like, if I get sick, what then? Like, <laughs> you know, I can't get sick. <laughs> no, it really does take a lot of stress and fear off of ourselves, right? Of like, I, I always see two responses of when people hire is, man, this is really scary. And then very shortly <laughs> after there's the, oh, I should have done this like from day one. Uh, but you're mm-hmm. right. But you're right. Having that backup just from a peace of mind perspective is so it's so impactful to be to the business owner and to the clients that you're serving. Cause basically you can say, regardless of what happens, somebody will be here. Our company can now provide care regardless of what happens to one person or the other person. And that's just a total game changer from peace of mind, from, from client's perspective and for time off, right. For, for us as the business owners. Yeah, absolutely. So you can work more on business development and, you know, client relationships and it just provides you more time to kind of steer your business rather than being in the trenches all the time. Yeah. It's, it's really hard to do both of those at the same time. I I didn't quite understand that until very recently of, Oh, I'm, I'm trying to be creative. I'm trying to be the guiding here. We're trying to plan while also, like you said, you're in the trenches, you're dealing with all the minutia, all the stress of that. And, and now I can separate that out. And um, I've, 
said it before, but the first time I was able to publish a blog to our website that I didn't write, it fe- I was like, whoa, whoa what is <laughs> what just happened here? Yeah. <laughs> right? Because I was got content to- that I didn't have to knock out completely. You know, That's <laughs> it, awesome. It really, it really does change. It really does change. It changes your relationship with your business too, right? It it, it just how you how you approach it, how you think, and how you plan. You know, talk about your 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 background. I'm I'm interested. You know, you spend a lot of time in in biology and in the sciences and teaching. So, um, you know, we we have that in common. Um, that's Megan's and my background as well. So, oh, I, wow. I, yeah, I, I I love that. So, what um what about your background? Uh, do you feel like helps set you up for for the business that you're currently running? Uh, so many things were helpful. Um, the educational background and really the focus on animal behavior, that's always been my interest. So it's something that, you know, I was always interested in with my own pets and, uh, just in general and always educating myself as much as possible about animal, animal behavior and pet behavior. Um, you know, having the educational background when I was in college, I was a zookeeper for three summers and that was tons of fun. And that taught me a lot. You know, it's like a little more exotic window into, you know, what pet care is about, you know, you're, you're prepping food and making sure that the animals are getting, you know, the meals that they need and, you know, avoiding tummy troubles. You're, you're cleaning up poop. I mean, the zookeeper's job is a lot of the same thing. It's just bigger, more exotic animals. And it's funny. One of the things I definitely took away from zookeeping was you have your keys clipped to your belt. Always Mm -hmm. keys never get set down ever until you are home at the end of the day, the keys are attached to you. And that's helped avoid a lot of potential problems for my business. Keys are always there. Um, it sounds like a silly, you know, kind of minutia thing, but it's a big problem. If, you know, people are trusting their homes and their home security as well as their pets to you. So keys are, keys are a big deal. <laughs> no, it, it really is. So, so you, uh, is one of your formal titles, exotic poop scooper. Um, well, yeah. I, maybe. <laughs> I don't poop, scoop so much exotic stuff anymore, but sure. yeah, I mean, that's a lot of what animal care is about. And, and really the enrichment piece is mm-hmm. huge. I mean, in the zoo environment, you know, a long time ago, zoos used to be just you know, curiosities and animals were not in any kind of, um, enriched environment. They were just on display, but zoos have changed a lot. Now they have captive breeding programs and they're being really careful about which animals they match up. They're doing a lot of enrichment things because animals need things to do in the wild. Um, or even when we look at our dogs, uh, a lot of dog breeds were bred to be working breeds. And then when they become pets and they don't have that job, they have a lot of time on their hands and bored dogs. One, it's not nice to be bored and, and they tend to get in trouble if you don't give them something to do that, that, you know, is more of a positive thing that works more, you know, with, you know, having the animal in your family, uh, you know, they get into trouble. So I'm always trying to, to do things with the clients, pets, you know, that's the approach of all my staff, you know, what, what can we do to, you know, and exercise is a basic, you know, dog walking, um, training, those are great activities for animals, but, um, having food puzzles or treat dispensing toys. I mean, animals spend a lot of time foraging and looking for food in the wild. So, you know, when you just set their bowl down and you're like, 
there you go. There's no foraging. It'll take you three seconds to eat. Then what do you do? Take a nap. So I do a lot of feeding and treat dispensing toys and frozen kongs and, you know, just, just giving animals a, a job, something fun to do. I, th- I think that's, that's really important. And what I like about that is what you're doing is many, of, you know, we all come from outside the industry and come into pet care. From, as mm-hmm. far as dog walking and pet sitting, there's no undergrad course that you can take. There's no post back in advanced dog walking that we can that we can achieve. So we have to look at our past experiences and kind of go, oh, this has prepared me for this one thing, and mm-hmm. I, I have this, and I have this. And you mentioned meal prep. One of my favorite experiences that we I had was I was an aquarist for for Bass Pro, their flagship store in Springfield. So we oh, had to cool. dive the tanks and do all this stuff and. Meal meal prep was always my favorite part because it was very exact. It was following that day's regime and it was then, you know, dispensing it out. And looking back now, it's like, wow, like the, the, the attention to detail, the thoroughness, the, um, the, 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 the putting everything together. I, I really enjoyed that. And I get to do that all the time now. And it's, yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of neat to pull from these skills from the past and apply it kind of in a slightly different different way and we we all get to do that whether that's and we all from our experiences like you said like the keys attached it's a weird thing but it's also extremely applicable to going in and out of people's homes <laughs> absolutely yeah. absolutely and and what you mentioned with that attention to deal with meal truck meal prep with some pets you know their meals aren't that complicated but we run into you know pets that have medication needs and those are very specific needs so attention to detail as you mentioned i mean that was an important part of zookeeping and that's just something that's that's a big thing for me it's really important in pet sitting and dog walking and training you got to have attention attention to detail you've got to be like tuned in and you got to be paying attention to what you're doing in order to provide the best service we love our clients um i love doing this and we always want to provide the best care for the pets and the best experience for the clients and attention to detail and doing all those things the feeding correctly dispensing medication you know and just looking at detail things like is the is the animal eliminating properly? Is that litter box, you know, there hasn't been, you know, any poop in it for two days. Um, we, you know, we have an issue here or, you know, if, if a dog has, you know, some tummy troubles, you know, letting the owner know that and trying to troubleshoot or, you know, recommend that, you know, get to the vet. I'm not a vet, so maybe you want to have the vet take a look at this. Yeah. Well, in those times, those are always stressful to try and communicate to clients, right? Of like, oh, nobody wants to tell their client that their cat's not eliminating in the box. And no one wants to tell their client that the dog is now throwing up in the yard. But that's yeah. part, of our, part of our responsibility. So how, how do you help your, yourself and in your staff get over that fear of not wanting to communicate bad news? Um. I mean, it's just so important to let clients know what's going on. And and that is a balancing act. If there's something that's really minor, you know, it might not be, if it's super minor, it might not be worth worrying a client. You know, you don't want to worry them on their vacation and have them because they're not there and have them get all concerned. So, you know, having a sense of, you know, when something, when you feel something is important, um, as opposed to just, uh, he's a little sleepy today. You know, I'm not, <laughs> not going to set off any alarm bells for that. Um, and we use, um, pet sitting software. So clients really get, you know, detailed information and yeah, when there is something that, you know, is off, we, 
we just want to let the client know, you know, we're not worried, you know, about how, you know, giving them bad news. There's some things that they just, you know, need to know. So we can do that in the visit report. And, and if my staff ever has a question, if, you know, I, I'm always here for them, you know, run it by me first. If you're not sure if this is a problem or if I've also seen the animal and I've seen, you know, that's just normal or that lump has been there for, you know, as long as I've known the pet. So that's not something new. Could team communication is super important. I think for me, it's a lot of remembering that's part of what the client's paying me for is to communicate good right. and bad news, right? And just kind of yep. setting that mindset around this of like, I'm paid to communicate and care. And so I'm going to communicate good things and bad things because mm-hmm. that's, that's, I mean, that's literally part of my <laughs> my job. And that helps me contextualize a lot of things that happen too of like, okay, like this is, it's uncomfortable, but this is, I, I've got to do this because this is, uh, if mm-hmm. if I wasn't here, this wouldn't be communicated to them. And they might have concerns down the line. Yeah, this might be something that a pet has had problems with in the past that was the signal of of something more serious. So they need to know that. And I mean, we'll even go as far. I know clients don't always like getting yucky pictures, but if an animal vomits, we're going to take a picture of the vomit. We're going to take a picture of the area after we've cleaned it up. If a dog has a weird poop uh, example one of the dogs that i took care of had a black poop and black often means like blood and stool that's bad and i told her and she's like oh he went and ate the stuff that was dumped out of the grill um, so that was just like leftovers from from grilling and i'm like what a relief that probably won't be great for his gi tract but it's certainly better than blood in the stool so sure. you know that's why you let people know those things i see that that you know aberration and the <laughs> client's just like oh yeah <laughs> yeah, let me tell you what happened. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you, you're right, and it's it's and there's those moments where the majority of times uh, the client's going to go, "Oh yeah, this thing happened." Uh, I can't. The number of times we go over and a dog is throwing up, and there's oh a sock comes out, and they're like, "Oh, I wonder where that went from the other day." And you're like, "That would have been nice to know before I came over that you were missing a sock." It, you know, but yeah, but re- are serious. It is. It can be really serious, but it's a reminder that. The, the 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 pet and the client's relationship that it's it's just normal to them right they don't think twice about these weird things that happen and so part of our job is to also kind of put some of these pieces of the puzzle together and to mm-hmm. to understand that you know this is all new to me it might not be new to them but i don't know that until i let them know about it yeah until until you know the pet for a longer period of time for sure and clients really appreciate that you know when we we hear that all the time we love your attention to detail you know, even if we're telling them something that they're like, oh, yeah, that's nothing, you know, we'll still hear, you know, thank you for noticing that. We're really impressed that that you noticed that and that you communicated that to us. Yeah, yeah. Now, now you have a, a background in, in animal behavior. You have interest in that a lot. And, and you also have team members. How do you go about teaching them basics of animal behavior and, and helping them uh, kind of get get caught up to speed to, to where you are because I know that's a concern a lot of times when we bring on staff is well I know me my expertise and my uh, my strong points uh, but I'm worried about the people that I'm bringing in so for you with with your advanced experience in this what's that process like of bringing in people and training them in in your knowledge I have been so lucky so I have never had to bring on a team member that was really starting 
you know, starting at zero, starting with very little experience. Um, all of my team members were very experienced before they even came to me. Um, I think all of them are fear-free certified. So they, before they were even part of the team, um, being tuned into, you know, animal communication. And I mean, I've been so lucky. I, I tell the staff all the time, I'm, I, I'm so grateful for you. I'm so glad you're on the team. Uh, I, I appreciate you. I value you. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in just a lot of communications. So I, I will, I will go on some of the visits with them, certainly when they're first seeing a pet um, and, you know, demonstrate, you know, some of the safety things, talk about some of the behaviors, teaching, like, for example, with dogs, having a dog check in with you is so important. It, it helps with walks. It helps with so many things. A dog that's not paying attention to you isn't going to be listening to you because they're not paying attention. So I share a lot of the things that I learn about that are really helpful in day-to-day with dogs. Like all of my staff knows about like, for example, pattern games that we can use to help dogs check in before, especially we work with a number of dogs that are reactive or fearful. It's really important to get their attention on you um, rather than zoning in, drilling in with their eyes on the trigger, because the longer they're looking at the trigger, the more amped and the more out of touch they're getting. And the more, you know, it's not a teachable moment when they're already at like a level 10 with their arousal level. So we do a a lot of that. And some of these things are just super easy to do these, these ways of getting attention. And then the owners really appreciate that too. So I think it's mainly just a lot of communication. And I mean, I learn a lot from my staff too. They, I have a lot of experience with all animals, but they have an enormous amount of experience with cats. One of my team members has a cat cafe and rescue and the two other team members I uh, learned about through the cat cafe because they were foster uh, volunteers and fostered cats. So like the cat expertise on my team is just off the charts. So I'm learning stuff from them. They're learning stuff from me. I think it's just a lot of communication. I love hearing that, Tammy, about learning from your staff is that many times we come into it and we go, okay, I hired somebody. I have to be the grand poobah here and I have to be leading and guiding and doing and showing and teaching and coming down, basically coming down from on high for the tablets and showing them these things. And remembering, I, I hired them for a reason. Like they, they, They've got things that, that my company needs that I need. And, and yeah. let's, let's actually work together here and have you share and have you write and have you teach others. And and I, I love that because that helps them feel like, wow, this is a place where I can invest. This is a place where I can um, grow and expand and really become part of something that's a Absolutely. lot more than just being a, a worker bee. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, make if somebody feels like, you know, they're part of of making the company better and, and, you know, enriching it and showing off their talents. That's, that's fantastic. I also just, um, I'm just about to roll out some additional standard operating procedures, procedures, super, super important. But, um, I have, uh, folder of my procedures called the SOP sandbox. And that's where my team can go in and they can make additions. They can make, ask questions. They can um, ask for clarification. They can do anything um, in there except delete text. That's don't delete anything. But <laughs> add, 
whatever you want. And then, and we can make these procedures better because, you know, you might be doing a lot more pet sitting than I am at this point. I'm doing more training. So um, you might be encountering things that I'm not encountering as often anymore. So um, I really want to be building these procedures together as a team. Um, and then the, there's more buy-in too. If they're like, I'm part of, I, I, I contributed to creating this procedure. So it, it creates more ownership on everyone's part. Yeah, it really does. And uh, we, we do something uh, similar with our, with our staff um, where we kind of have the way that Megan and, and I have operated. Uh, mm-hmm. but we have opened that up to them and said, Hey, um, you know, you've recently gone through some of these trainings under the company and you've, you've had these experiences now. Um, here's, here's how we're currently operating. Here's how we're currently training you. Um, what are your thoughts? Like, what, what would you like to see better? And we even had hired somebody who has an extensive background in, in grooming. So we basically were like, here's a blank sheet of paper. What would you, do, how would you teach somebody to do nail trims, ear cleanings, and teeth brush, right? Because I, Megan and I have, have done those, but not to the extent that he has. So going, do, he, hey, you, here's something that you can do, and let's, let's work on this together. And I really believe that when we can start viewing them, again, as, as resources, <laughs> more than just worker bees, it makes everybody yeah. better in, in the long run. Yeah, and I think it creates a lot more uh, job uh satisfaction as well. Yeah, exactly. And because they can see, oh, this is how I'm plugged in. This is how I'm mm-hmm. able to work here. This is this is where I can use my my experience and my expertise too. And and that it is like you said, it, it's valued and they 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 want to stay on. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You've moved to a lot of more training now. Um what are some basics or what are some things about animal behavior that you wish more people knew about? Well, I think overall just educating yourself as much as possible and really trying to understand what your pets are communicating. I mean, we never know what's going on in their head, but we've got body language. And I think a lot of time people forget since language is our big way of communicating, it isn't the way of communicating for our pets. It's body language is where you're going to see this stuff. So you, you need to look at what the, animals doing and get a sense of, you know, is it afraid? And sometimes an animal that's nervous isn't necessarily going to be that like completely cowering dog where it's a hundred percent obvious. Sometimes animals will throw off conflicting signals where you're seeing one thing in one part of the body and one thing in another, and you kind of have to put it together. Um, But I think if we really do start, you know, paying attention to what our animals are saying, we can have a much richer relationship with them and just more fulfilling relationship. And, you know, they're being understood. I work a lot with dogs that are reactive. I have my own dogs that are reactive. So I get a 24 seven experience with that. But sometimes people will see that and think, you know, my dog is aggressive. I have to I have to show that I'm boss. I have to dominate them. And, and if that reactivity is fear-based, which it often is, um, you being heavy-handed about dealing with it, it's going to make it worse. If you see that it's based on fear and you can see a lot of those signals, then you can find better solutions. Just in a lot of times, you know, it's natural. We see things from a human perspective. So it's really hard to see things, to try and see things from another organism's perspective. You know, sometimes I'll hear people say like, oh, my dog, my dog was mad at me. So he pooped on the floor. 
Probably not. I mean, he pooped on the floor, but it might be because he had to poop. It might be because it's six degrees out and he's not dumb. He's like, I can poop indoors where it's warm or I can go outside where it's six degrees. That's an easy peasy choice. So I think sometimes if we attribute some of these things like, you know, my dog is vengeful or my dog is spiteful, you know, we're just not having that level of communication that we could and our relationship could be so much richer. Um, and there's just lots of books out there. So, so the way to do it is, is, you know, to educate yourself, there's courses, there's books, there's podcasts, there's so many resources out there these days. You touched on a good point there, reactive versus aggressive. And it reminded me about the importance of language and the terms that we use because a lot of times clients are confused and they're not using the right thing, right? And so they're trying to communicate something to us. So we're preparing for one scenario, but then when we get there, we go, oh, that's, this is a reactive dog. And I, it's this very interesting because just yesterday we did a meet and greet with a lady who said her dog was aggressive in the kennel. And it's because she had a bad instance where somebody came over to the kennel one time and reached in and pulled the dog out of the kennel and the dog bit this person. And so they said, Oh, she's an aggressive dog. And it was like, no, (laughs) this is a reactive dog who was scared and was trying to communicate something to you. And so I was like, what we'll do is we will not reach in and grab the dog, not because she's aggressive, but because we don't want her to be afraid. Right. Reactive to this and helping people understand and use the right terms is going to help set them up to be a better pet parent. Yeah. And again, that gets back to looking at the body language and seeing, you know, before you're even, you shouldn't be reaching and pulling a dog out of crate anyways, but, um, you know, you can see the body language of that dog, um, and you can respond differently. You know, you can open the door. If that dog's fearful, you can open the door and back away, give the dog some space to come out. Um, if you have a dog that's nervous, you know, around a new person, the new person can toss some treats and then just sit down and ignore the dog. Don't be bending over the dog going, hi, puppy, you know, and patting it on the head. The dog's going to be like, oh, so, you know, just learning those things. What's, what's more appropriate behavior with dogs. You know, again, we see a lot of nervous, fearful dogs. Um, There's, there's just a lot of it. There's a lot of dogs on um, anti-anxiety meds and, um, you've really got to be aware of, of as best you can about where those behaviors are coming from. And if they're fear-based again, taking a heavy handed approach, this is not the way to do it. No, no. And it, it really does give clients a lot of hope. I've, I've seen that so many times, yeah. right? Because they're sitting there, they think they have an aggressive dog. They think they've got this awful dog and nobody's going to, and it's not going to love anybody and blah, blah. And we can come in, we're acting totally different than anybody who's interacted with that dog before. And it's a game changer, right? And they start, mm-hmm. the client starts going, oh, oh, do you mean if I do, they start putting it together and go, oh, if I do this, if I back up, if I give them space, they'll do the, you know, they, they, they will approach. And that's part of this education process that we get to be a part of, of going, hey, I, you might not have experienced this, but this is how we're going to operate in this scenario. And talking through that process, as you said, communication is so key. Sometimes telling them what we're doing, why we're doing it, as we're doing it, you just see their look on their face go, oh, wow, this is amazing. Yeah. And when they start doing things that they find work, they get more confident and they get happier and they just feel more, I can do this. Especially when you maybe adopt a a rescue dog that can be a little challenging, you know, has had perhaps a traumatic background, you know, 
and, and maybe people are telling you, oh, you shouldn't adopt that dog. That's a bad dog. You know, maybe the dog's not a compatible pick for the person. And, and that's always a possibility. But, you know, let's try some things first and see it might be something that's, that's a simple fix. It might be something that's a more involved fix. Um, but just having that information. Have you heard of Time to Pet? Doug from Bad to the Bone Pet Care has this to say. Time to Pet has made managing my team and clients so much easier. Our clients love the easy-to-use app and scheduling features, and our sitters love being able to have all of their information organized and easily accessible. My favorite feature is the instant messaging. By keeping conversations on Time to Pet, we are able to monitor our team and ensure nothing ever falls through the cracks. If you are looking for new pet sitting software, give Time to Pet a try. Listeners of our show can save 50% off your first three months by visiting timetopet.com slash confessional. As we go through the that that process of of equipping the pet parents, you're right. We uh, we do have to remember that um, a lot of it starts with making sure that we're taken care of first, right, and that we're we're okay, so that we can do these things. We can be teaching. We can be equipping. Uh, because if if we're not taking care of ourselves, we're gonna we're gonna miss a lot of these signs and signals along the way too. Yeah, and and back to what you said, and the fact that you guys have recently hired. I mean, before I hired, spring break was just insane. I would easily have like fifteen, you know, stops in a day, and it'd be like from before the sun came up until after the sun went down in spring. Yeah. And you just can't sustain that. You can't take care of yourself. Um, so it's nice to have a team where we can kind of, you know, when something does come up, we can help each other out and and cover those appointments. Yeah. I know one of the things that um, Creatures Pet Care strives to do is to help pets live better with their owners um, through the services that you provide. Mm-hmm. Uh, how, how do you see that working out in, in how you operate? Well, part of it is is just the basic services. You know, drop-in pet sitting means that pets can stay home rather than go to a kennel where, you know, most animals get more stressed when they have to go to boarding. Some love boarding. Some go crazy. And it's like going to camp and they're having a great time. And some boarding facilities are fabulous and they really do make it a, a super fun experience. But a lot of pets just, they get really nervous um, in that type of situation. So being able to stay home, that's, that's one of the starters. I mean, pets are, you know, usually a little out of sorts anyways, when their people are gone, that's a change in their routine and, and pets are very, you know, routine based. Um, so offering in-home pet sitting, offering dog walking so the dogs can get some exercise and get some interaction. And when the person has a busy day, it's, it's one less walk that they have to be doing. We also offer training walks. So for dogs that need to work on certain things, whether it's pulling or, you know, a lot of times it's some level of reactivity, you know, let's work. Oh, let's get out there in the neighborhood and let's work around some of these triggers. And, and it allows me to see what works with the dog and how the dog's responding. So I can pass that information along to the human, um, to give them some tools in their tool belt to avoid some of these situations. I mean, practice makes perfect and that's for the good and the bad things. And the more a dog re- practices reactivity, um, you know, the better they're going to get at it. So finding ways to interrupt that. And then also I do training consults. So I do one hour training consults where I come to clients' homes um, and can have a little more in-depth um, kind of troubleshooting type of thing. And again, we always, with all of our visits, we're trying to 
make it an enriching experience. The dog walks, they're interacting with us. You know, so many times you'll see people walking dogs with their phone out and I just, it makes me nervous when I see that. I'm like, oh my, you know, what if there's a trigger? What if something comes around the corner? What if the dog backs out of its harness? You got to be watching that animal. And it's more fun to be interacting with the animal and making yourself part of the walk rather than, you know, you're just an anchor at the end of the leash that's that's preventing the dog from having fun. When we pet, you know, playing with the pets, um, if, if an owner maybe has a snuffle mat or some kind of feeding toy or even playing like a treat hiding game, doing something to make the interaction fun where we're not just coming in and putting down food and refreshing the water. We do the basics, but then we try to do more than that. And also being a resource for our clients. You know, we're always having them contact us, you know, like I'm seeing this behavior or I think I might need this. So to have kind of this uh, resource in your pocket where, you know, you can turn to somebody and say, you know, I need some help or I need some input. I I think the clients appreciate that. I think viewing our time with the pets as an opportunity for that level of enrichment is super key. I see many people asking, you know, how, how can I, you know, uh, up my services or, or what can I do to kind of go the extra mile in my services <laughs> and something as simple as how you give the treat, right? Like that is, that is such a, a, a different way of thinking and approaching this time that we have. And, you know, from your background of going, I need to enrich these lives of these animals who are in these pens for their entire lives. Now approaching that to these pets are in their homes and I have a short time with them. What can I do with them? And I love that idea of hiding the treat or, you know, sometimes with cats, you know, they'll like to you know, toss them the treat so they can chase after it as it scurries across the floor instead of just yeah. handing it to them. It's little things like that that don't really take any extra time, but we're putting right. a little bit of thought and intentionality into each of our processes while we're there. Absolutely. And, and even with dogs, in addition to hiding, just asking for simple behaviors. Give me a set before the treat give me a sit before we walk out the door i don't want you blasting out the door like a rocket let's start with some calm behavior and these you know people sometimes forget that training is an enrichment activity my my dog mila loves if if i say want to train she's just like woo, oh yeah that's fun that's where i get to do cool stuff and i get treats and i get praise and it's it's a blast i love training it's really looking at that holistic approach going um, what can we do for these dogs or cats' lives while we're here? And while we ourselves might not be certified trainers or have a lot of experience with that, it's it's simple things. Sit, now you mm-hmm. get the treat. Or sit, and now we go outside. And it, it's doing some reinforcement of things that the dogs and cats already know and mm-hmm. just you know doing it with, in our own way or at different times while we're there with them. Oh, I, one of your services that you offer is actually a, a, a virtual pet parent coaching. And I'd mm-hmm. love to hear about how this service came about and, and how it's going for you. I'll give you one guess how it came about. It starts with a C and ends with a D. And there's a V in the middle. <laughs> I can't <laughs> quite put my finger. I, I've, what, what, what happened? What was it? <laughs> Global pandemic. Oh, um, that, a lot of, a lot of people pivoted. That thing. Yeah, that thing that's still going on. Um, a lot of people, pet businesses had to pivot. That's when we started offering training. I figured, you know, I have the background and I'm essentially doing training exercises with the animals we work with anyways, a lot of the time. So, and a lot of people were getting pandemic puppies and it just, and a lot of people were home with their animals more and noticed some of these behaviors that were 
that they're like, oh, wow, this is a problem. You know, if I'm gone nine to five, you know, I don't see that as much, but if I'm home with my dog all the time, so just basic training, that was a new offering, um, right around the time, uh, COVID popped up or shortly after. And then the virtual was just a way to offer that kind of service to one, to people that didn't live, you know, in the area. And secondly, to people who are at home, who aren't comfortable, you know, letting people into their home yet at these different points during the pandemic, um, so just trying to make that service available to as many people as possible. Yeah. How, how is that going for you? Because I know many people were concerned about how they would be able to interact and observe and, and work with people because we're so used to being in the room with them while you're yeah. doing that. Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of us have gotten a lot more comfortable with Zoom since the pandemic. If we all could have bought stock in Zoom uh, before, <laughs> <laughs> before the pandemic hit, that's that's one industry that's that's doing better now. Uh-huh. But I've gotten a lot more comfortable, as I think a lot of us have, with all this remote. Um, and there are still definitely ways um, that you can connect. I can I can move back and make sure my camera's adjusted, and I can show you know, certain activities with my own dogs demonstrating, you know, I can send people links to, I mean, the wonderful world, the YouTube, there's good, bad and ugly out there, but there are some really good resources. So just sharing video resources out there. So it's, it's kind of a, a little bit of everything. I start all my consults by sending a, um, a really short form so that I can prepare. Like, what are your top three things? Because we can't talk about 50 things. Um, we can talk about your next three things at our next meeting, but we really got to focus so that we can address the things that are most important. So there's always preparation for the training. I just don't walk in cold. I want to know. Um, and I do some planning um, and then take notes as we're doing it. Um, Again, I show them what I can. And even, I mean, with the camera, even if I'm demonstrating a leash hold, you know, maybe instead of holding your leash like this, let's try a different hold, keeping your dog a little closer to your side. So I can still, you know, use this visual space to show people things and to have them show me. Um, I can send them videos, whether they're videos I find online or videos I make myself. And I can have clients send me videos that they record because a lot of, how well something works has to do with technique and you can't really see that. It's one thing to hear somebody tell you, you know, how you can do something, but it's another to actually roll that out and do all the mechanics of it. Like when you're giving the treat, when you're saying the cue, Mm -hmm. um, there's, there's a lot, a lot of um, different kind of minute things that can make a big difference in the success of training. So, you know, with video elements, it's, it's, it's not the same as being in person, but it's still can be very effective. Do you find that the people who are taking advantage of that, are, would would they have gone to an in-person training session? Or is this getting access to new people who maybe wouldn't do a, a traditional uh, training or coaching session? I think both. Both. I, I don't offer um, group classes, but I really highly recommend them for dogs that um, are cool with that. And, um, we've got great trainers, a great community of trainers in the area and places that offer group classes. So, you know, part of what I recommend is not always just, you know, just come to me. Don't talk to anyone else. Do find, find what works for you. Find what works for your dog and groups. Since I don't offer group classes, but group classes can be super helpful. So, you know, I encourage people to try all different things. So some people are new pet owners, um, 
that maybe are reaching out for the first time, but a lot of people have, have had some kind of training, whether it's been a self-education type of thing um, online or whether they've attended group classes or whether they've had a trainer come into their home and work with them. And maybe they uh, worked with a trainer whose style and approach just didn't feel right for them. And so they're looking for that fit. I mean, there's a lot of different schools of thought about dog training. And so you might meet with somebody and it just doesn't feel right. You know, it's the same picking a veterinarian. You might go to a veterinarian clinic and just like, I don't feel the chemistry here. I don't feel the love. Um, And you go somewhere else and they're fabulous. So um, it's, it's nice to, you know, sometimes bring a different perspective to people that might be a better fit for their relationship with their dog and how their dog learns. Yeah. Well, I, I really see the, the virtual aspect there for, for coaching or training on that aspect is it, it uh, opening up a little bit more, making it a little more accessible for people and flexibility in their schedule. And especially I'm sure for people with a, with a reactive dog, you know, they may be nervous about taking their dog somewhere or somebody coming to them. So kind of as a low barrier entry point for people to go, I don't know where to start. Um, I, I can, I can schedule this around my day. And now um, I can kind of get access to all these additional resources and information and kind of grow from there. Yeah. Yeah. I just like offering people a lot of different options so they can find what fits best for them. I do love going in person um, when I'm able to, because I can just see a lot more about how the family's interacting with the dog. I can see the dog's environment to see if there might be some little tweaks and like how things are set up that can help. So it is really helpful being in person but um you can do a lot with a virtual environment as well and um this is probably a question for later but it it works here now um as well i'm going to be launching very soon a membership group uh canine uh creatures canine connection um membership group um where it's a private group a nice safe space uh, where we'll have a private Facebook group and we'll do some um, Zoom master classes um, where people can just kind of have access to me like they would have access to social media. We can learn from each other in a safe environment. So I'm super excited about that. So rather than it just being like a dedicated consult time one-on-one, there's there's really something about community and people learning from each other or maybe some person in the group has a question um, that maybe they're afraid to ask, but they ask it. And then there's a bunch of other people that are like, thank you for asking that. I was a little too, I was a little too shy. Um, and when you look at the groups out there, um, the, in social media, say Facebook groups for dog training, there's some really well moderated, fantastic groups. There are also some groups that don't have much moderation and you get a lot of negativity. People can be afraid to put something out there because there might be 10 people that jump on them and say, that's abuse or that's, that's not how you do it. Or that's the stupidest thing I ever heard. And I want, my group is going to be a safe space. No dumb questions. Um, we're not going to be judgy. We're going to be open. We're going to be kind to each other. Um, and I think that's something really important to have because people can feel nervous about you know, how they're training their dog and if they're doing the right thing. So I want to create a safe space for people. 
Yeah, I think that is really important too. Of I, I know in my my past when I would tutor somebody, a one on one tutor session is really great to address their specific needs. But you really find that when you get a small, even a small group of people together, you can make so many more leaps and bounds, and yeah. people making connections, and they start working together, and they become resources and connected. And part of that is really just helping them feel like they're not alone in their problems, yes. in their struggles. Because pet parents, they love their pets. Uh, they may feel ashamed to to talk about their reactive dog. They may feel ashamed about that one time it, it bit the neighbor kid because it did something, or they don't know how to recover from these things and to have that safe space to be able to come in and go, hey, this happened to me, and have three or four people raise their hands and go, yeah, happened, <laughs> happened to me too. Yeah, been there, yeah. yeah. Been there, done that. Exactly. It really yeah. changes that dynamic for people. Yeah, they feel seen, and it doesn't feel like such a, a overwhelming thing where they're isolated. So I'm super excited to yeah. to launch that soon. Yeah, no, that will that'll be really exciting, and and especially to see you kind of moving into again, move into that space, see where opportunities are as just a, a business owner of going, okay, uh, where am I getting a lot of questions? How can I best address these? Because you know you could have addressed this in many different ways. You could have expanded your one-on-one in-person coaching. You could have expand, expanded the virtual. Um, coaching sessions. But, you know, doing a, a masterclass membership group is a way to kind of tackle all of these without exponentially increasing all of the work that you're <laughs> you're having to do to meet that need and to meet that demand. And I think that's important for us to recognize that there's always multiple ways to solve a problem and to get a solution to what we're dealing with. But we really do need to think through all the pros and the cons to that so but, so that we don't end up making our lives more more hectic in the end. Yeah, and getting burned out. I love the idea of of having a group where instead of telling all these people and helping all these people individually and individually giving them, especially if if it's a like subgroup of people that are are working with the same behavioral challenge, you know, we can help everyone at once rather than one, two, three, four, five, um, and and we can again, like you had mentioned, we can benefit just from the community and the conversation. Is, is this something you'll open up to existing clients only and then expand beyond that? Or kind of what's your launch plan for this? It's it's going to be anyone who's interested in joining. Certainly existing clients, you know, I'm going to send them a personal invite. Anyone with a dog that I think can, can benefit from this. Um, we're also going to post it on social media as well. And eventually we'll have that featured on our website. But yeah, since it's virtual, if you have a dog, and you're interested in training and just developing a, a better relationship with your dog and a more enriched, in-depth relationship, I think it's probably something that could also be useful um, to pet sitters and dog walkers as well. Um, most of those people have their own dogs and just learning a little bit more about dog training um, and having a space where you can can ask these kind of behavioral questions or, you know, even equipment questions or uh, enrichment questions. I, I think it can be useful to a lot of people. So if you're a person interested and you have a dog, it's for you. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, if somebody's listening to this going, huh, uh, maybe maybe I could launch something like that for my existing clients. You know, what are some things that, that, that you've, you've learned in this process of developing it that you would want to maybe encourage people to either do or maybe to... <laughs> avoid uh, moving as, as they go through that process. 
Well, yeah, I don't know. We're at the start of it. So I have a lot of things, a lot of things to learn about uh, what to do and what to avoid. But um, I was lucky enough to be part of some of these membership groups before. So that was super helpful to me. Um, That was like one of the number one helpful things. If there's a membership group that you can benefit from, um, you know, or our membership group to see how it's done. Um, and, And then as you're seeing how it's done, see how you might change it differently based on, you know, how you communicate or what your interests are. But if you've seen it, I think it makes it so much easier. So if there's a membership group that interests you, join it for a while and see like, you know, what's working for me, what's not, what do I think would work for my clients or for people in general, what's not. I think that's the most important thing for me so far is seeing it done and participating in it. Um, I think if I hadn't done that, it would have been a lot harder to kind of just start from scratch and figure out, you know. Yeah, because you want to make sure it's a good experience for everybody involved. And so you're right, having been involved in one of those, you can go, hmm, okay, well, uh, for my people, uh, tackling the topic that we're going to be dealing with, this is how I can set it up. And these are the the, the rules that we can have. And these are the guidelines that we can have. And I, you're right. right. I think it helps you see how you can make it your own. Mm-hmm. And it just gives you a general framework, too. You're like, where do I start? If you're starting from scratch, you're like, oh, you know, I have some ideas, but I don't know. Um, it's so much better to already have that framework. It's super helpful. It's worth it to join. And and there's got to be a group out there that, you know, whether it's a business group or, you know, whether it's an animal behavior group or whether it's a pet sitting and dog walking group, there's going to be somebody that you can can learn from and, and benefit from. And it's a business expense too, as part of joining that and paying for the continued education. So, you know, don't don't forget that. I know that's always a hang up of, oh, should I pay this? Should I not? And recognizing, okay, maybe I can balance this out and that this is a deductible expense for education and investment in my, Mm -hmm. in my company as well. Uh, so you, you've, you've been in business for four and a half years. You're starting this uh, membership group for um, in Zoom masterclass. What, what else is the, is in the future for, for, for creature pet care? Um, we're hoping what, what the next thing really was before I came up with the idea for the masterclass and said, let's do that first. That sounds like a good idea. <laughs> we're going to launch the product line eventually too. Oh, wow. Um, just some of our favorite products, um, that was next on the list, but it got bumped because again, um, that's a high overhead, um, type of endeavor getting all the, um, all the stock in and managing, you know, all these things and shipping. I mean, that's a big thing. Um, and I live in a little apartment now, so I should be moving pretty soon. And I'd like to have a, actually a dedicated room if I'm having stock and if I'm having products and if I'm packaging things and mailing things, um, a little tiny apartment is not the place to do that from. (laughs) I'd have to, I'd have to start using floor space for it. (laughs) So why why was why why the product line why why go into retail as 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 a pet dog walking and, and pet care company um why why was that the next step for you in in your mind? Well, I think as a business owner, you want to have as many business income streams as you can, as you're interested in, as you can manage, because you don't want to take on too much stuff where everything starts to suffer. But I mean, I think especially COVID taught us in the pet care industry that if you're providing pet sitting and dog walking only, something like that 
can just be catastrophic. It was really difficult for all of us in the industry. Um, And we had to learn how to pivot. We had to learn how to be flexible. So I think like adding training, adding the masterclass membership group, and then having a product line, it gives you things that aren't vulnerable in the same way. So all my virtual stuff isn't vulnerable to restrictions on people getting together. So that's a little more, um, that makes my business a little more robust in a changing world. Having a product line, again, is not something you have to be in person for. So just setting up, helping clients, sharing like products that I love that they might not be able to find or they might not have ever heard of. so it benefits clients and it makes makes my business more resilient. And I think that's I think we've all learned that, that that's a useful thing after, you know, what the industry has has struggled through with the pandemic. And I think what's important to remind ourselves as we branch out, it's um I'm not trying to replace 100% of my dog walking income with products now. It, it, that may be a goal if we want to pivot that much, but what else can I do to diversify a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit? so that I can shift and move my focus as I need to and as demand dictates. Because, you know, you you may have a nice mixture right now, and in five years, you could be, you know, 90% retail and just a little bit of training. Who You know, who knows until we actually start implementing these things? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's it's just fun to be able to bring, you know products that you find helpful. That's one of the reasons that I want to do do that. We we use a a little um rubber thing that fits on your belt or your dog walk belt that holds full poop bags. Mm-hmm. Like you can you can hook it through and maybe a lot of listeners use that, but I had never um come across it. And of course one of my employees, what we were talking about about learning from each other, she found us and I'm like that's it. It costs like two dollars. It's not even like an expensive thing. Like, yeah. Oh my gosh! I don't have to carry a poop bag around for the walk. I can just hook it to me, and then forget it's on me and drive away and wonder why my car smells bad. That's happened many times. But <laughs> <laughs> what does that smell? Oh, it's the poop bag that's still attached to my belt. But it frees up my hands, and I want to have my hands as free as possible. If I've got a uh, you know, treats in one hand. If I got a leash in the other, I don't have another hand to be holding a poop bag. So when I find even these little things that I, I like get excited about, it'll be fun to have, have those kind of things in a store where I can, you know, share things that I've found super helpful with my clients. Yeah. Well, that centers you back into being a resource and providing tools. And it's tools. It's literally like we use knowledge as tools through training. And then we have literal objects, you know, like poop bag holders that we can now equip yeah our staff and our uh, our clients with to help make their lives as a pet parent easier and help make sure that they're setting themselves up for success for their pets. And, and it all starts tying in together. Absolutely. I agree. Tammy, I have thoroughly enjoyed our conversation today. I can't tell you how much I've, I've appreciated uh, learning from you and in your encouragement to us to um, work on enrichment and look at those little things and then to be equipping our clients uh, with more things as well. Uh, but I know you're, you're you're very busy. You have a lot going on and there's a lot <laughs> there's a lot that we that we didn't get touched on. So um, how can how can people uh, get in touch with you, follow along with uh, Creatures Pet Care and, and start picking your brain on? brain on things. 
Absolutely. Easy to do. Um, our website is creaturespetcare.com, creatures with an S. So it's just our business name. Nothing, you know, nothing confusing. You can go, we have a contact page there. So you can always, that's the easy way. You don't have to remember as much. You can also email me. My name is spelled weird. It's T-A-M-I. That's it. T-A-M-I. And that's at creaturespetcare.com. So you can certainly reach out to me. We're also on social media at creaturespetcare. Um, that's, that's our handle both on, uh, Facebook and on Instagram. So there's lots of ways to find us. And I certainly welcome people, you know, reaching out with questions or if anyone's interested in the membership group and wants to find out more about that, we're kind of creating our list, um, to send our invites to. So, so shoot us an email or a message if you want to be on that list. I, I really appreciate it, especially on your busy day, uh, and, and everything that you've shared. So it, re- it means an awful lot and I'm, I'm so appreciative of it. I'm very appreciative of you as well. Thanks so much for having me on because I know you've got a busy life too. You've got a lot going on and it was it was truly a pleasure talking to you and finally meeting you. I've listened to the podcast for a long time and um, just kind of run into each other in these different groups online as well. So it's nice to finally meet you. How do you equip your clients? What kind of resources do you give to them so that they can become and be better pet parents? It's all about centering ourselves at the center of that hub of pet care, of that pet care world of the client. So when they have a question about a groomer or a vet or a trainer or a product or whatever that is, they can come to you. And now you might not be able to provide that service, but you can give them literature. You can point them in the right direction. You can have that discussion with them so that they become better and more equipped. And what does this do? Why is this so important to us in our business? A, not only does it help us become better because we have to constantly be learning and reading and reaching out and finding these resources, but secondly, it puts us as an authority figure in that person's life. And when it comes time for them to refer or when someone in their circle has a question, they know who to point to. They know that we can step in and provide guidance. And that is powerful to our clients. That kind of relationship. You can't pay for that kind of relationship. So I encourage you to start equipping your clients well. Make sure that they are the best pet parents possible. And that they look to you for those kind of resources. We want to thank our sponsor, Time to Pet, today. And we really want to thank you so much for listening. We'll be back again soon. I'm <laughs> sorry.